0: About taking a step, you know. There's times you get stuck, times you need help, and you just need to take a step. Though sometimes you gotta fly halfway around the world to encourage somebody, like Tim and Jen did, to go see Katie, Ash, and uh, our church in Fiji, and they're back with us. So welcome home! It's great to have you here. You know, sometimes. You're in math class, and you need help. You need a little tutoring. You know, Scott Darian shared, and uh, his son, Reese. I remember when Reese was a little guy. They lived really close to us, so Reese would frequently come to my house for math tutoring. Now, I've tutored a lot of students over the years and you know, math and chemistry and physics. And, you know, so sometimes you're tutoring, and you realize they're not getting it. Other times you're tutoring and realizing, okay, now they're getting it. And every once in a while you realize they actually already got it before they showed up. Reese was one of those. And then I realized that he wasn't coming over for math tutoring, but part of the math tutoring was that we'd eat ice cream together because that helps solve math equations. And so we'd start, and, you know, you're kind of like, and then, yeah, okay, I got it. I know how to do it. I'm like, do you just want to have ice cream? Okay. And so we'd eat ice cream. But, you know, you need help in life. There's there's no advanced manuals for training like parenting and life. Is some of the most difficult situations that we face. It's just not always clear of how do I get to the next place I'm trying to get to? You know, I want to grow spiritually. How do I get to the next place? You know, it was fun watching the kids all come off the bus and just, you know, most of them had no voice. But they're all smiling. They're all tired. And, you know, they smelled, for the most part, pretty good. Um, but they just came off inspired. You could see the friendships, and it was just like, man, that's awesome. That was the next step of growing in their life. But we're going to talk about a scene in the Bible where Jesus heals someone that needed some help. And we're going to be in John chapter 5. and We're going to read verse 1 to 15. It says, sometime later... Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blamed, the lime, and the paralyzed. One who was there there had been an invalid for 38 years. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who healed uh, who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him see you are well again Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you The man went away and told the jewish leaders that it was jesus who had made him well Now it's quite a story about a man that for 38 years of his life had been an invalid. He needed help. He couldn't take care of himself. And Jesus approaches him and asks a question that he asked to every single one of us. And this is point number one. Do you want to get well? The question seems obvious. I mean, somebody who's been an invalid 38 years, why would you even ask the question? But the response is surprising because instead of saying yes, he says, well, when I'm trying to get in the waters when they're stirred and there was a Jewish, you know, legend that angels would come and stir the waters in that pool, and that if you went down into the pool while they were stirring, you would get physically healed. So Jesus says, Do you want to get well? And he responds, Hey, I got no help. Jesus, that's right. Jesus did not ask you if you had help. He said, Do you want to get well? And it's the same question that he asks each. One of us. And so i got some questions for you. Are you aware of your situation? Because there's times in life where you are not well, but you are completely unaware that there's a problem. Then there's other times where you're aware you have a problem. Then there's other times where you know you've had a problem, but you've had it so long, you've stopped believing that life can be any different than how it's been, even if it's been 38 years. Jesus asks, do you want to get well? His answer betrayed something. It wasn't his fault. There's nothing I can do. It's somebody else's fault. They didn't do what I needed them to do. And that's why I'm in this situation. You know, when when you are not well, what do you do with your responsibility? Proverbs 19.3 says, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Now, the Holy Spirit gets a lot of blame for our bad decision making. Why is God punishing me for... This Well, God didn't have anything to do with it. You know, most of the problems I have in my life are ones because I didn't make good choices. And then we go, God, what are you doing? God's like, well, if I had my way, you wouldn't have done that. But see, the consequences are out of our hands. Like that's like Adam and Eve going, God, I can't believe you're punishing me. What's your problem? You're unloving. What's going on? God's like, well, I told you what you needed to do. I told you not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you did. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault when we sin and reap consequences. You're one of the most paralyzing things we can do, is blame shift. Because as soon as we go down that path, we become paralyzed to change. So much so that a man that's been in this state for 38 years is eye to eye with the one that can change his life radically saying, do you want to get well? And his answer is, I got no help. Why didn't he just say yes? You know, the fact is sometimes we actually take comfort in blaming others. Because there's a relief, at least that we temporarily feel, to say, well, it's not my fault. Now, we're hamstringing ourselves to actually make a change. Because if it's somebody else's fault, then our change depends on somebody else. But do you take responsibility for where you're at in your life or do you blame others? You know, then the third question I have in this category is, are you willing? Sometimes people in life can be in the most horrific situations. Abusive. Horrific. And they won't leave because they'd rather be in a situation that they know, even if it's bad, than risk the unknown. So there's greater fear of stepping into a realm where we don't know what will happen than staying in a bad situation. You know, that happens spiritually. God's word says, hey, you can be different. You can change. And we go, oh, that's really hard. Oh, that takes a lot of work. That takes a lot of commitment. Think about how much pain is caused in life. And you go, what's the toll that that takes on life? But a lot of times we'd rather just sit in our current situation because at least we're familiar than be willing to say, Okay, I would change. Jesus asks every single one of us in this room, do you want to get well? Say, what's your answer? What's your response? You know, whether you say it or not, you have a response. There's no middle ground. The answer is either yes or no. It's a yes-no question, like your kids. Did you clean your bedroom? Anything other than yes is a no. Well, I was going to. Okay, that's a fancy no. It's simple. Jesus says, do you want to get well? What's your answer? You have to make one. Jesus is answering the same question to you. Now, this is an interesting situation because a lot of the miracles in the Bible happen by people that approach Jesus with the faith that said, hey, if I touch his clothes, I can be healed. Or, hey, they'd send a servant and go, hey, tell this guy to come and heal you know, Jairus's daughter because he's a good guy and please heal his daughter. You know, so sometimes, you know, you had in the wedding of Cana, in, in uh, the book of John, Jesus' mom's like, hey, they're out of wine. Just do what my son tells you to do. This miracle was one that Jesus just approaches him. And he didn't really have a great response, did he? He never actually got around to saying yes. But Jesus worked anyway. And he gave him an opportunity, even in the midst of the doubt, discouragement, the being settled in his ways, not believing it could be any different. And he said, get up. Take your mat and walk. At that moment, this man that had been an invalid for 38 years now had a decision to make by faith. What am I going to do with Jesus' command to get up, take my mat, and walk? Bible gives us no insight. We don't know if this is the hundredth time somebody said, I think I can heal you. We don't know if he'd never had any opportunities. We don't know what the situation was. All we do know is that in the midst of this situation, Jesus said, get up, take up your mat, and walk. And he had a choice. You see, the fact is, Jesus wasn't saying, Do you now believe you have the ability to get up, take up your mat, and walk? Jesus was simply commanding him by faith to respond to his words. The facts were stacked against him. You think about his fears. What if I try and stand up and fall over because I can't? I'm going to look stupid in front of all my friends. They're gonna go seriously. You thought he could heal you? Ha! You're a joke. What's your deal? Can't even believe you. Listen to that guy. You know what fears do you have? Jesus calls you to obey His word. Sometimes we have similar fears. I've been this way for decades. I haven't liked this part of who I am for decades. And if I actually believe that I could be different and I try it, if I start going to church, if I start reading my Bible, if I start praying, if I start singing songs on a regular basis, then what am I what what if what if I like kind of go public with what I'm doing and then it doesn't happen? Yo, know, youth camps awesome. That rock amphitheater where they have the the night time under the stars worship is amazing. You know, you're you surrounded by hundreds of kids singing out to God at the same time. It's just incredible. But you know what? You're, you're going to be at junior high. You're going to be in high school. And they won't appreciate your faith in God in the same way. You say, oh, well, what if I actually believed the camp that my life could be Different, that I could be pure, that I could be righteous, that I could have faith, and then I try and live that life at school and it doesn't work, then what are people going to say? Oh, you thought you could live the Christian life? What a joke. What are you afraid of? Do I come across people all the time? Let's say, I'm afraid to give Christianity a chance because the church I grew up in and then they have a story of a bad situation that they experienced. And they say, I don't know if I want to put my heart out there again. So what are you afraid of? What is it that might hold you back? From doing the second thing of to take the next step. Say, what's your next step? Maybe it's learning. Learning what God's word teaches. Maybe it's the putting into practice, doing everything you can to put into practice what you read with all your heart, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Maybe it's to truly open up about some area of your life that you've told nobody and it's held you captive forever. And you've never had somebody you were close enough or trusted enough to be honest because you thought, if I tell them this about my life, they will not want to be my friend anymore. They're never going to want to hang out with me. They're going to go, wow, we've never seen anything like you and don't know what to do. So we're afraid to be honest. Maybe we're afraid to commit. You know, what's your next step? Jesus told him, he said, get up, take your mat, and walk. Jesus did not let this scenario occur in the privacy of his own home where no one else was watching. You know, sometimes things happen privately. Sometimes it was public. The fact is he was put on the spot right then and there. Will you have faith? So put into practice what I'm telling you to do and take the next step. Or not. Do you want to get well? And will you get up and walk? What's your next step? Will you take it today? And then third and finally, don't settle for improvement. Aim for righteousness. Righteousness. Aim for righteousness. You know, sometimes when God starts moving and working in your life and your life gets better, we go, Yes, this is great. I'm happier. I've got more friends. I feel more connected. I've got this. I got that. Okay, awesome. And we go, All right, now I've arrived. Why? Because my life's better. Listen, the goal of following God is not better. But righteousness. Now, for the perfectionists out there, listen up. Righteousness is not perfection. Perfection depends on God. Righteousness is a relational aspect before God. It's the difference between somebody who gives their whole heart on the soccer field and makes mistakes versus a really talented person that gives half heart. You see, we're, we're, we're not required to be perfect in order to be righteous. It's a relational aspect where you're committing your whole heart. Yeah, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall short. You're going to sin. But righteousness doesn't depend on that. On the other hand, if you're not giving your whole heart, so you're like, I only want to be half committed. I only want to be Sunday morning committed. I want to be committed on my terms. Then you can't claim a righteous relationship before God because God doesn't really have your whole heart. Do you have any untouchable areas in your life? I will give God my whole heart in these areas, but he's not going to mess with my money or my career or my hobbies or my kids or my free time. But he can have this part and this part and this part. I'll be wholehearted with parts of my life. And we justify it thinking, oh, God's fine with that. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is wholeheartedness, not perfection. But it, an improved life, a better life, can get us to a point where we actually stop short of righteousness because we become satisfied is something better. You know, what's your standard? If all we want is something better of a saying, you know, like zero is greater than negative two. You can be in a really horrible mess and be at a zero on a ten point scale and go, see? Man, I'm way better. That doesn't make any sense. God God didn't... Send his son to die on the cross so you can live a zero. Because a zero's better than negative two. And Jesus wasn't just trying to heal the invalid, Jesus tracks him down. Because there was something else going on in his life. He's healed. He's walking around living life. Jesus finds him. And listen to his words. He says, see, you are well again. Now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Jesus said a few things there. First of all, the point is that there was a time in his life where he was well. And the implications of what Jesus says. Is that his 38 year condition. Was related to a moral condition going on in his life. Now that's not always true in life. Sometimes just bad things happen. It has nothing to do with sinful choices that we've made. But for this guy. Sin was related to what he was going through. And so he was physically healed. He was fired up. But Jesus said, No, the healing's not done yet. That's just like the first step. And then he talks to him and he goes, Stop sinning, or something worse is going to happen. Maybe you remember when the ten uh, lepers were healed, and only one, the Samaritan, came back to give thanks. Very similar thing happened there. They were healed of their leprosy on the way to show the priests. But the Samaritan that came back, then Jesus says, your faith has made you well. There was a spiritual healing that occurred after the fact beyond the leprosy. You see, God's initial working in your life paves the way for a deeper healing. It's never meant to stop here. In Christ, we're a new creation. That is what Jesus is trying to accomplish in your life. He's not trying to be a problem solver with this area in your life that needs fixing. He's saying, no, I want to heal the whole you. I want to deal with the outward stuff that needs fixing. We're going to deal with the inward stuff, the spiritual stuff. Jesus tracked him down and said, here. We're going to go with this. Say, so how you doing in your healing? You know, I remember as a young Christian, I was so excited about growing spiritually. I just wanted so badly that every day was a better day. I wanted to be more righteous the, the next day than I was that day. I, I tried to live days without sinning even one time. Probably that's just prideful to even think that I could do that. But I really seriously tried with all my effort to never sin in a day. You know, the thing is, once you grow older spiritually, you kind of get the Christian routine down. And things that used to be difficult about the Christian schedule just are now by habit. And my heart can get dull where I, I... You know, I would never just say this. I've grown enough. I'm righteous enough. I'm fine enough. But I've stopped being passionate about the full transformation. Because improvement got me to a place where I said, okay, I, I feel good enough. No, God is doing a complete transformation in your life. Have you taken your foot off the gas because life got better? You see, we're not aiming for improvement. We're aiming for righteousness, which requires wholeheartedness before God. This man needed help 38 years. He sat near the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus asked him a simple question, do you want to get well? That same question is asked of every single one of us by Jesus. The question, not that I have. The question that Jesus has is, what's your answer? Well, we'll know. by if you choose to take the next step, how you handle yourself in the fellowship will be your answer to what you've decided to do with what Jesus calls you to. If you've taken your foot off the gas, man, put the pedal to the metal and let God do the full transformation in your life. Don't settle for improvement. Aim only for righteousness. That's our lesson. Let's stand on up. We're going to close out in song.